Hello and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the past 10 years. I'm your host, Jack Draper, and with me is my co-host, Clay Williams. What if all movies were just called, like, or titled by the main name of the character? Or not the main name, but God, I, I, man, I already fucked this up. No, I mean, I mean the, that would make sense. The, the full name are of the like, main character. You know, satisfying. Like Barton Fink, like Barry McFly. Lyndon, Marie Antoinette, like... There's yeah, but what there. if, like, the biggest movies ever made, like, Back to the Future, wasn't called Back to the Future. Oh, it was just, Marty oh, McFly. yeah, yeah. Like, and that's how all movies were titled. Yeah. <laughs> so you got, like, Star Wars, Luke Skywalker, yeah. Batman, Bruce Wayne, just all just all of them. What do you think that would that would set out to accomplish? Would it just be, like, or, you know what, you know, actually, better yet, that does sound like movie titles that they would reverse for another country. Like, in France... True. It's not Back to the Future. A, it's if, Marty McFly. <laughs> what if in like Belgium, all of the all of the movie titles were just the names, just to just be like, fuck it, like you know it, that it markets itself. What would name. you choose for like an an ensemble? Like, what do you call Boogie Nights? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Dick Diggler? Is that is that is that it? Did I pull did I pull that out? It's Dirk Diggler, but you know it's it's Dirk Diggler. It's fine. It's whatever. Um. Yeah, I, I think I think that would be it'd oh, be a lot boy. of fun. That would be interesting. I don't yeah. know. It could be something. It's an idea. I'm just presenting ideas here. That's all I'm here for. I'm, pres- I'm new thoughts, new I, you know, pr- I'm, I'm contributing to the discussion of ideas, the marketplace of, you know, ideas. I truly love that you woke up this morning and are like, I got it. I got the open. I, I mean, I I I fucking knew You've it, had man. this one in the I'm, oven. I'm for on a top while of it. Now. Yeah. I had it I have I've had this since last night. I had this idea since last night. I'm just ready. And you're like, I'm this focused. is the winner. I'm able. Yeah. yeah. It was the winner. I couldn't think of anything and you, else. And as but you were yeah. jamming out to some, to some disco, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you think, ninth, like, I, but the funny thing is now thinking about movies where you just, if you put a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you the main character's name. So, like, 1917. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice English Boy. Yeah. Is, that his, is, that, is that the name? Yeah. Is that the character name? Nice English Boy? That was the working For, title, actually. Is that, that was the working title. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. All right. There we go. Or maybe there group hug. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. That's all I got. This is Gloria right, Bell let's end it. episode. It, oh, it's Gloria Bell. That's right. That's yeah. what we're talking about. Of course. Full what name. Else? Get it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think this is a trend. I think it's a very good movie though. Well, there you go. Yeah. All right. I guess that's it. We're done. <laughs> Podcast over oh wait but wait there's more we actually have a guest <laughs> oh my on this gosh. episode like usually i don't really like that transition I know. at all <laughs> I, I it was horrible but we're going through it we're gonna keep going <laughs> we're battling through it okay um well with us this week is sydney Urbeck. how are you i'm great thank you very much of course um well first like sort of icebreaker that we usually do with everybody is like what was a movie that first got you into movies that you can first remember if you had like a core memory? That you... What was the genesis? Yeah, they, the uh, origin. Wow. Well, I mean, I've watched movies forever, um, like like a lot of people, but two things come to mind. The first is that my mom, the only I never slept as a kid um, or as a baby, so the only way that she could go and take a shower was to like plunk me in front of the tv 
and put something on. So I watched, you know, Sound of Music and Annie and all these other things a million times um, during those years. And that was really my first ever movie going, if you will. Um, but the first film I ever saw that had me thinking about the way films are made and like what they were doing to me emotionally, if you will, was Emma Deus, um, which was a film I saw quite young, perhaps too young, um, given some of the content, because it was a it was a way for my parents to show me Austria, and that's where my family's from. Mm. Um, not that you can really like learn too much. It's about Austria from that film. It's why I also watched The Sound of Music as a kid. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was the first film I ever saw, Amadeus, where I was like thinking about the way that, say, like music was being used or um, editing to make me laugh and um, that kind of thing. How old exactly were you? Oh, I would have been probably four or five the first time I saw it. Um, that's really rad. Wait, five? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, I come from one of those families where I was always seeing things like very young and too young, as I said. I, my my dad used to, I had a TV in my room as a kid with like a VHS player and my, oh, VCR, I suppose is the term. And my dad used to bring in like our VHS of Pulp Fiction and play just the dance scene. And then he would leave because he wanted me to see it, but he obviously could not show his child that film in its entirety but um, i mean he could yeah he i could would have. recommend yeah, it yeah. but he did have the ability right right <laughs> but so that's you know i had never i never really saw the film in full until i was like a preteen but i had seen the dance scene in pulp fiction a million times by the time i was a preteen that gives you some sort of sense of what my oh that's cool yeah parental movie tastes are and that kind of thing yeah i mean it's a good scene I mean, <laughs> I, I can't, I, I can't fault yeah. the recommendation. Right, it's can't a great scene, it. yeah. Um, and that kind of relates to a lot of guests, is that they find their genesis to a parent showing them something very early on that really sticks. Totally. But they maybe don't realize it at that time, and then they sort of resort back to that core memory. And they bring along with them what they learned, um through an early viewing and Amadeus is a very and Amadeus is a very interesting one just since you can kind of view it with um like the sound off which is kind of ironic since it's it's about music but like it's it's stories told very visually so makes sense yeah and I mean obviously that's like relevant to what I sort of interested in now and right about now. I think I I only really have pieced together in the last few years the extent to which my favorite movies, if I had to rank them, tend to revolve around like needle drops and you know uses of music. And uh, I think Gloria Bell also falls into that category because I, um, for sure, maybe just after The Meg, it's like my favorite film of 2018. Mm. the meg the I can... jason statham vehicle yes yes i have would... not seen it i'm fascinated oh you should yeah. see it i think i mean it's one of those i it's one of those films like i couldn't review because i didn't know how to be um objective about it because i just like was so blown away by how um much fun i had in the theater it's probably the most fun i've had in the theater in years 
I don't understand why we ask critics to be objective about movies like The Meg. Like, like, what do you, what do you want here? You want you want a dissertation? Like, come on, just like I liked it, I didn't like it. Sometimes that, I think that should be just fine. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, no, we the approach is from an objective angle. It's The Meg. Just if I can on. even promote, promote like a thumbs down, thumbs up system, even you know, I think that would even be. You know. Yeah, ratings maybe yeah. one to five. One I don't know. Five. I'm a, B, C, and D. Here. Um, there, it could be, we're just, maybe we might be just, you know, spitting nonsense, yeah. but there are some ideas, like a star rating, maybe stars, who knows? There, you know, it's interesting that you, options. it's interesting that you count this as a 2018 movie, because I count it as a 2019 movie, just because oh, it was released no. in, in my, in the neck of the woods. Um, is this, a, do we fight now? Is this how no, it starts? I, do we it, fight with Actually, yes. 2018. You know what? 2019. Yeah. Um, you raised a good point though. Did it come out? in early 2019 theatrically it came out in april march 2019 okay. for me um okay. but no but speaking of the movie i was wondering what your first time seeing this is like well um this will probably clarify what you said previously um i saw it at tiff during its mm. uh, tiff premiere so i because ah. i am from toronto and that's where you're from toronto <laughs> yes yeah. Um, and I saw it by myself. Um, I had not seen the original. I had really no expectations because the way that I tend to set up my TIFF movies in particular is I just like pick them based on cast and sometimes even like whatever thumbnail they've pulled. Um, and that was very much the category that Gloria Bell fell into. So yeah, I think that's why I think of it as a 2018 film. It would have been, you know, September 2018 by myself, went in totally cold and um, ended up being like a, definitely like a favorite film of the year, definitely a favorite film of the decade. Yeah. How was the theater? Like, was it packed? Were there people there? Were they feeling it? Were they grooving to it? Or were they, you know, were people turned off by it? I don't remember anything of the people around me. I remember where I was sitting in the theater because I tend to pick like uh, what most people think is an unideal spot, aka like off to the side in a row. I remember that it was packed enough that I had to sit in like the front section um, mm -hmm. as opposed to the main section. But I couldn't tell you like which of the light box theaters it was in. I just sort of remember me and how I felt watching that film. And then of course, the film itself. Yeah. I, I always like to ask that question because sometimes it's always interesting to be like, to kind of remember the vibe of the theater when you're watching something, just because like, you know, you have either your crowd pleasers or a films where a film where you feel like you can just feel in the room. We're like, Oh, no one else is liking this yeah. besides me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that was me with High Life. I was in that theater and just people were like, there were just these old people just squirming around, just like going, like a lot of scoffs, like, what? And I'm like, I'm really digging this, actually. I mean, I'm, I'm liking this quite a lot. Clay loves and the story the, about. And then someone at the what? end is like, are you kidding me? Was like the moment like that, the, the screen went black is that they actually said that stood up. I'm not sure what would prompt the, the shouting of. But oh, it's a very um, uh, yeah. yeah. It's I know. very it's tame. Weird. It's a very yeah. accessible yeah. <laughs> film. It's very tame, exactly. Like you know, everyone. It's it, it's very friendly towards you know crowds. <laughs> right. and, you know yeah. the average accessible to the general public. And you know, the, oh, yeah, something about, else about High Life that you can count that as a 2018 or 2019 because I think that also was at 2018 mm -hmm. TIFF and then it came out the next year. 
That sounds um, right. Yeah. Pisky, but um, too, what was I gonna release dates? What was I gonna say? Um, uh, Clay loves the story about when I saw Killing of a Sacred Deer with a friend group. Yeah, I do love it. And love it. Um, one by one, or in groups, people started walking out um, right. until it was just my friend group and I. <laughs> and um, we were the only ones left by um, the t- by the time Colin Farrell had to kill one of his kids in the movie. And, if you know, of course, that would end. Spoilers for killing with secret deer um but yeah and it was just like we are the we kind of stood up when the lights came up and it's like <laughs> last one standings baby yeah. one versus a hundred it's what you were most one wanted truly um yeah. i mean like mother uh was like that i saw mother at its tiff premiere yeah. i guess that would have been the same year um i think it's the year that sound right four. i think it's 27 it must be 27 that sounds right yeah i believe yeah. you i um but it was like that, but where all of the walking out happened in the last 20 minutes. Oh, sure. Yeah, As right, opposed to that's... sort of like a, an yeah. even um, dispersing of people. It was like everyone made it to the last 20 minutes and then just like, bam, bam, people were leaving. I remember I remember at a similar mark, like when it hit its last half, um, some guy yelled out, are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, it's the same guy. Actually. Yeah, right. Yeah, he, he flew all the way from D, like from Portland, Oregon to Boston yeah, to say yeah. that. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, just imagine now a very thick New England accent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the first oh, man, time I that I that. I uh, saw Glory Bell, it was at the Colonial Theater in New Hampshire, which is this mm-hmm. theater that I also talked about when I saw Star Is Born. Um, it was once a church. But then they converted it into a movie theater. And, they uh, converted it into a different kind of church, <laughs> a, a, a different kind of place of worship. That's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah, it's and it's just like the sound system is so booming. It's like, like it's it's so hollow. Oh, it's it's like it's really amazing. But they have um, this balcony where you can go um, for seats, and it's and it's just like I would always go there. That when I saw movies there, um, I saw a lot of. Uh, 2018 like fall releases there like um leave no trace and won't you be my neighbor um so yeah like a lost nostalgia for for that theater but um yeah and it was just like a really cool experience because the soundtrack and um the score it it, it's so complemented the atmosphere in which we saw it in um you feel almost more like in enhanced like it felt more enhanced into this otherwise mundane San Diego setting. Um You're saying you felt like you'd been taken to church. <laughs> ah see? Oh look at that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right, I like this. Okay. I like it. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan of what's happening here. This is great. <laughs> it uh, yeah, yeah. But um yeah, Clay, what, you saw it for the first, and then oh yeah, and then when I saw when I rewatched it for this, I saw the remake, or the oh my gosh, I saw the original, um, mm-hmm. and and I knew that they were like exactly the same that Leo, um, just like carbon, like he copy and pa- literally was copy and pasted, and it was copy and paste, um, but I think seeing the have you seen the original Sid? Actually, I forgot to ask. I watched it for the first time yesterday. Oh, funny. Oh, wow. But, um, 
and I think I still prefer the remake. Um, just like I don't know. I, I guess we'll get in, we'll get into it later, but I just think the remake just you feel like it has it's so much warmth, you know. It, I think maybe Julianne might be a better lead because we just have so much more familiarity. Um, I think she approaches the role so differently. Like I had to ask myself that question this week. Like, hey, was I wrong that Gloria Bell is my favorite of the two films? And I, I think Gloria on its own is like such a phenomenal film. Julianne Moore is sometimes at her best when she's allowed to be sort of weird and zany. And I think there's a zaniness a little bit neurotic. that defines, yeah. yeah, and there's a zaniness that defines her approach to the same role that wasn't so true of the original. Um, but it's amazing how similar they are. Like it's it's such an interesting choice to remake your own well-received project. You almost can't help but think like, what if I? How do I like approach that to my own? What if I did that in my own life? Like what if I remade something that I've already made, and how would that look different? And what what would I try and um, take advantage of this time that I didn't the last and all that, that sort of thing. It's like, imagine singing a song in another language. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a little wild. Um, it is. You do have to have like, a, a, maybe not an insane amount of confidence, but you have to have some confidence be like, so you know that thing that everyone really liked that I did? I'm going to do it again. <laughs> It was and very successful make, in just, 2013. Like I'm, I'm pretty. It was like, yeah, it wasn't a sleeper hit. It was exactly like it was one of those things where like, so yeah, everyone loved what I did that time. Let me just do it again, but you know, different people, and <laughs> and, and I'm gonna also like, and I'll ask, I'll also ha- be expected to add something new, what it like visually, I guess. But I mean, I haven't seen the original, but it, it is, it's on canopy. I can't. It's on Canopy. Has, in Canopy, if you'd like to sponsor anything, us, is, this would be the time to do so, of course. You is know, Funny yeah. Games the only <laughs> other example? Um, well, there is also The Vanishing that came to mind. Um, okay. But I think The Vanishing and Funny Games are also uh, good examples, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't think of any others, though. But he does, yeah, it, he does it's a move. change um, a tiny bit of the narrative in ways that I think mm. the remake benefited from. Um, I mean, one thing that comes to mind is the addition of like Holland Taylor's character as her mother, because in mm. the original, I believe it's like a housekeeper character who yeah. she obviously loves and trusts to come and get her at the end. But um, they introduce Holland Taylor in this film. And I, I, I really like the dynamic that's established between the two of them where we, we um, I think it adds like create some sort of tension like what Gloria has not achieved by this certain mm-hmm. point um, and also like what her mother is like the way that her mother keeps sort of not rushing her but you know there, there's that one back and forth where it's like yeah you say that every 10 years like kind of thing I like I'm, I'm that I was um, quoting that but yeah no no I think you no you are you know I, I like mean, that you're, you're saying it correctly it was that with her that was the correct way to quote it yeah with her mom with the mom character it gives sort of credence to how sort of maybe there's jealousy with gloria bell being jealous of her daughter and how kind of broken and unstable she may be that she still needs her mom 
and then it gets a generational um, line that's sort of broken at that point where it's like, yeah. why can't my, I just be happy like my daughter is happy and I don't have to call my mom to go pick me up and it's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, really I good. I, I think it's a worthy change, definitely. Yeah, I think also like with when you think about the fact that like that character has to come and get her at the end, there's almost something a little icky about the fact that her housekeeper would have to do that. I don't know if that's yeah. if that's fair. I think it makes more sense as like a, a, a motherly nurturing act as opposed to like a um, there being any kind of transactional thing happening here, you know. It also connects to the themes of the movie way more. I mean, this movie is this movie is very much about the different shapes of parenting and the different impacts it has on you as a person. Like, you know, like it's like maybe not a I don't know. I kind of wanted to say something as like, you know, catchy as kaleidoscope of of kaleidoscope of parenting is this like movie of just the different sides and different angles of how, you know, parenting impacts the kid and the parent. Um, because like, yeah, with Totoro's character, um, it is very much that idea of he has a different experience in his time as being a father than Gloria has in her time being a mother. And so adding Holland Taylor in that mix of this is how, who her mother was and Mm -hmm. seeing a different angle on that, on, you know, a different, a different philosophy in parenting adds a much more interesting dynamic between like in the movie, just kind of trying to understand not understand, but like take in. So this is how each person um, attributes their own life and their personality to how they parent and who their kids are. And that whole, not chicken and the egg, but like, w- were they this way because of the kid or did they, or the way the kid turned out, did, they, did that influence them? Um, and that kind of just um, malleable, uh progression when it comes to like how much ch- uh, parenting has affected each in their each of their lives better or for worse i think it's also it's like- very interesting when brad garrett and Jenny triplehorn are introduced because then you look at um the fallout uh, i think we're, we're we're supposed to assume is the fallout of, of their divorce and he is also secretly maybe a little regretful of how things ended up and uh yeah it's it's just interesting to see how the divorce is obviously something they wanted and it comes with a level of maturity but there's still so much melancholy laid over that family even if um like michael sarah is gonna be a dad and um they're all still moving on with their lives but they seem so disconnected yeah it's like um mothers who themselves need to be mothered and you know children who you see as your child but they're actually parents themselves and um everyone's occupying like multiple roles here i think that that's like one of the more interesting parts of this film and the you know one thing that the original does sort of color better is the idea that gloria's husband sort of took off at some point like he's been reinstated as like the the fatherly figure but um 
it's sort of only it's like alluded to in the in the remake that like I should have been there and I wasn't and there there are a few more lines that do a lot of legwork in the original um, about the fact that he actually did like take off at some point. Mm-hmm. I was really taken aback. Um, they hint towards that in that one line of like I should have been here. I should have been here. So it is one of those things where you just kind of assume, but it is one of the. It is just kind of floated. It's just like, oh, he had a weird relationship, and that's why his daughter might have, you know, be feeling distance from him, and like, you know, t- you know, snaps her hand away from him, and like that kind of thing. So it does. They do like, you know, of course they um, hint at it, but it is one of those things that's not really dissected too much. And I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's necessarily a positive or negative for me, but it is something I noticed. I remember being really taken aback just how much alluding there is in the movie mm-hmm. um when i saw it in 2019 like i went to a pretty late screening like it was it was like 10 10 at night um and i was like wait did i miss something and i and like i hadn't gone up from my chair it's like wait no mm-hmm. no hang on this isn't like a puzzle this doesn't have to be solved and it's um but i think because um especially with uh totoro the amount of times that he just has to get up and leave. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, uh, his daughters are in horrible financial debt or something. It's just, they just depend on him. And I guess that that is a logical conclusion you could draw to. Um, but it is a very interesting approach to take this story um, that maybe doesn't need that, that much alluding to. But I think it kind of... Um, yeah, I think it just takes it a little bit of a more interesting direction rather than laying everything just out. Just spelling um, it all out. Because Totoro, um, I at least I draw the conclusion like they were just on different paths in life and mm-hmm. their paths didn't intersect with one another. Um, and sometimes that's okay, you know? I get, like They'll just end up at different disco bars and meet other people. And it's like... It's so much more about character than story, arguably, in this film. And yes. one of the um, things I think that's fascinating to me about it, and I don't know if this occurred to me as soon as I, you know, on my first watch, but it's something that I've been thinking about a lot this week, um, preparing to talk about it, is that Gloria is in many ways, like, the most normal character in this film. She's just surrounded by, like, all of this weirdness. Because mm. she's sort of like, she, you know, she works her nine to five, she has her kids, she is has a pretty normal, um, you know, normal motivations, normal behaviors, but she has these like... Normal concerns. Like, yeah, normal, normal yeah. concerns. She just like wants to go out dancing because she's a divorcee and she's a romantic, but her son is living out this like strange, you know, Bergman-esque thing happening where his, his wife has taken off and um it's yeah Gloria is like the she's at the center of all this much weirder plot um and in her, framing the story around her it becomes more like of a character study than a mm-hmm. than a drama it is very much not a plotty 
story-based movie. I mean, the reason why you include scenes of her in the car singing along is not because of the plot. You know, it's it's very much like it is character-based. Um, it is very. It's kind of like a hangout. It. It's it's um, yeah. But the person you're hanging out with is just a middle-aged divorce, recent divorcee, and it's not like a group hangout. It's just like girl time. I don't know. <laughs> um, and I and I think I kind of knew that going in um because i knew it was a24 and that was all i needed to really be sold on um and they don't they they like their character studies i guess Mm -hmm. um or or it's not like i guess i mean they do like their character studies and um that that is one thing that kind of prepared me for Mm -hmm. having gloria bell not be a tip or it's, it's a not your typical like constructed story about uh mm-hmm. a midlife crisis i guess that's what we would call this <laughs> it's not a cassavetes movie it's not like you know no. like huge dramatic like you know uh my marriage fell apart so i have to like pick up the pieces and really figure out where i am at life it's more of just like you know it's been a few years since she's her divorce she's just well, i don't know if i call that cassavetes some stuff well, not Casa Vecchia. I guess uh, just something more dramatic and dramatic-based that feels... Although Julianne like... Moore does have Jenna Rollins energy, I would say. Um, but, like, I don't know. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, but, yeah, no, it is very much... You're, well, you're speaking of uh, alluding to earlier, you mentioned Michael Sarah. That whole thing, that whole relationship, his whole deal is one big illusion. Like, it's never explained. Mm-hmm. We have no idea who his wife or girlfriend is. Um, apparent. I feel like it. Like it's hinted at that she's this hippie who's at like Burning Man. Who's like he says she's in the in the desert just hanging out. It's like she's probably doing a lot of you know psychedelics or whatever. And just like quick side note about Michael Sarah. I got a mm-hmm. I got a pretty good cackle out of the line reading. Do you want some nuts, Arnold? I don't know why. Yeah, he's, just he he like, for some reason always delivers little lines like that so yeah. like charmingly. Asking Arnold that if you want some nuts is like the funniest thing that could happen on a Thursday night. I. <laughs> oh, my goodness goodness gracious yeah I think that's uh, one yeah, of the yeah. fun things about this film is like these actors playing against type or like appearing in films um that are like genre wise not what they always get to do but mm-hmm. things that they really excel at like my julianne moore is arguably mm. most known for her dramatic work and yeah but like i come to her through nine months i don't know if either of you have seen that film but in nine months, uh, she's Hugh Grant's wife, and it's like a pregnancy rom-com. But that was my introduction to Julianne Moore. So it's like fun for me to have her do these sort of silly, mm-hmm. um, I keep using the word zany, but I guess that's what I mean, uh, roles. It seems like she, she does have range. fun with yeah. it. She has a ton of range, yeah. And Michael yeah. Sarah, of course, is he's funny in this film, but he's it's not like a funny role it's not he's not telling jokes right there's like not there's little that's funny either about like what his character is experiencing so it's just his approach to it yeah he's just naturally funny comical like he doesn't have to do much um that's a good action that's actually a good you should you're much better at segues than we are i must say (laughs) um because we should talk about julianne moore um I just like a tour de oh, force yeah, performance. Yeah, she is in this film <laughs> for a little it's, bit. It's she crazy. has like a, she's in she's I in and she's out. Forgot. Yeah. Um, I completely forgot. It's like Sean Astin 
But Clay, what was your first exposure, if you remember, to the Coolidge Julian Corner? Moore? Yeah. Holy shit! Um, I mean, if you don't remember, that's okay. I don't remember exactly. I mean, she's just been in a lot of stuff. I mean, Is she just really... she's just one of those people that's always been in your life? You you think? I mean, I've never had. I'm you know, Julian. I've never been like horribly impacted by julianne moore i mean she's a great actress but it's not like there's that one performance that really you know like obliterated me that but i, I do think that i've i think i've known i've definitely known her since i saw boogie nights that's for sure that's when i'm like oh actress she is an heartbreaking a, character an actress oh my God. like a plus very re- well respected actress and boogie nights is also kind of a comedic role i mean she's given a lot of comedy to do in that movie but also a ton of more drama than comedy but like yeah yeah i mean especially as it goes on but it starts out pretty like she is that like zany kind of energy um but it does build into actual character drama as it goes on but like um so that's probably like my first if i can really think about it i mean there she's been in plenty of other stuff too that i've always like I mean, I've always th- thought that she was one of our top actresses. Like, yeah. it's an, it's not that I've never been like down on her. It's just I don't know if I've have that. I don't think I have necessarily like connection to her career overall. Just that she's a good actress. Oh uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and there's the just that one other thing. Oh, it's worth mentioning. She's won an Oscar this decade. <laughs> just, yeah, she is. It, yeah, still Alice. Right, she's still Alice. A movie Alice. we I guess we'll probably talk about eventually. I mean, eventually if someone chooses it. But I quite I. I don't know if this is like minority opinion, but I kind of, I kind of like Still Alice. Um, I never saw it. I like couldn't bring myself to watch it based on the subject matter. I, I don't. I know that's uh, yeah. strange because like I think here's the thing. I think the subject matter is like quietly devastating, but she, she kind of is really good in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that. where it's like wow, they really just like disability porn. I don't know, but it's it's mm-hmm. just like it's really well dealt. It's pretty delicate. Um, I think for myself, I remember seeing her in Boogie Nights, um, very formative age as well. Um, and then Big Lebowski too. Big Lebowski. Yeah. Oh, that was one of the movies I'm like, oh, that's right. Her, her, her. Maude. What's what's fun about Uh, that film too is that like she and John Turturro are both in that film and they're both reappeared together in this one. I hadn't really thought about that till this week either. Um, and then soon after Boogie Nights, I saw a little movie called Magnolia, and mm. like her as um, as like, she just has a very sporadic, like just locked in performance in that movie. I mean, everyone is just like taking it up to eleven in Magnolia, obviously, but I think she's just such a standout. Um, and, and yeah, like her work with Todd Haynes is so good, um, mm-hmm. like Far From Heaven and Safe and um, like um, she has a small role in uh, Children of Men uh, that oh, I very was... much like a movie star role. The right, thing about yeah, that movie yeah. and her role in it is that it's a big deal when she's killed. Yeah. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. No spoilers. But it's one of those movie. Yeah. It's one of those movie stars like Matt Damon Interstellar where it's a big deal mm, that we just deal. killed yeah. them. Yeah. Yes. L- like you know, like they j- jump in and like how that her death is like the huge like that's like when the movie takes that real turn into mm-hmm. where what the fuck are we doing? And it's so at that point in like 2006, that's when she, people were like, she's the actress. Like not maybe not like the 
best actress at that point, like uh, like Hollywood wise. But she is one of the like top like if you need an A plus performance, you call Julianne Moore. She also like sort of brightens up um, certain things she's been in. Like it seems like she's been trying to have a lot of fun the last few years, and that has included being in like the Kingsman sequel. And um, I love her like weird you know, terrifying role in that film where she's just like, cause you don't think like Julianne Moore as villain in this, yeah, <laughs> in this, you know, um, sort of gentleman action movie, but she, she does that so well. The like terrifying redhead. <laughs> she's like very Southern in that movie too. She's like, you know, it's like a terrified, terrifying Southern comfort of like she's right. presenting as this charismatic, you know, warm presence kind of has a bit of that mom energy but it also is like a raging psychopath mm-hmm. it's kind of like when fun. it's kind of when at, when movie stars take those kind of roles it feels earned sometimes and i think in that case it feels like okay we've we've built ourselves up to a post oscar run now that we can have some fun right yeah like now what <laughs> yeah yeah, and it oh, seems like this decade the hours. has been a lot I think of she's the best ones. of the three leads in The Hours, Oh, of too. course, yeah. Yeah, of course. Easily the best of the three. But, like, since 2014, she's had a weird decade. Like, she was in fucking, um... Like, in, like, 2014, she was in, like, nonstop the Liam Neeson movie. Uh, well, no, she wasn't. Stars. I mean, <laughs> she she, was. she can't be if she if it doesn't exist. It exists. It exists oh, she's really good in Maps of the Stars, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Hunger Games. Then she starts getting into the franchise mode. She's in Hunger Games, uh, Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part One and Part Two. Uh, she's in the bomb Seventh Son with J- Jeff Bridges, uh, the fantasy movie that was just like released and just took up. It was just a massive fart at the box office. People <laughs> were like, oh Jesus. Um, an appearance on Inside Amy Schumer, Free Shelled, Maggie's Plan. Wonderstruck, which is also a pretty. Yeah, that's not a bo- yeah. that's not a block blockbuster, but it's like a huge box office hit. That's very much you know crowd like accessible. Um, or wait, no, I'm thinking of Wonderland. Nope, never mind. Nope, nope. What's nope. Wonderland? I'm thinking of not on Wonderland. What's the one? No, Wonder. It was just called Wonder. Jesus Christ. Was Wonder a the, hit? J- Jacob, the Jacob Tremblay movie. Yeah, that was a hit. Yeah, made a huh. lot of money. Well, it's yeah. one of those. I mean, so I well, this was like I'm. T- a bit this of a segue into 2017, movie. actually. That That's okay that you confuse that, because in 2017, we gotta remember, Wonder Woman, Wonder Wheel, Wonder Struck, Wonder, Professor Marsden and the Wonder Woman? What the <laughs> hell? A lot of wonders. <laughs> yeah. Was, wait, it's just, yeah, it, Wonder was 2017. Okay, yeah. so I'm not, and also, I'm not a horrible I mean, I'm not I don't mean to derail, derail us anymore, I'm not but also 2017, just, just... we had Logan Lucky, Logan mm-hmm. and Lucky. Uh, I gotta leave. Wow, that's just fun. You gotta leave. You have to leave. <laughs> uh, then she's in Suburbicon, and then yeah. Kingsman: The Golden Circle. Then, same year, I 20... Yeah, same year. Then yeah. Gloria Bell, um, Bell, 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 Bell Canto. I don't know what this is. Oh, the film with Ken Watanabe. Oh, that's fun. What? This doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> after the wedding. A short, the Glorias, which oh yeah, I so I noticed the Glorias this week on, um, I guess on Prime, and I was thinking like, 
Gloria. Gloria. Ah, <laughs> she's one of the Glorias. Gloria Bell. Mm-hmm. Glor- I, I see. I get it. I get it. Yeah, apparently that movie doesn't exist because um, it, <laughs> it has like a crazy cast, like Janelle Monet, Alicia Vikander, and then it like was released and no one talked about it. I didn't know if that was was it an Amazon original? I feel like it may, it, it may have it, been. It's either that or they bought. I feel yeah. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an Amazon original, or I think so. I don't know. And that was is it, that it, it was hard Turner? to tell this year, right? Because everything got real. Um, just got moved, and now and now she's just gonna. She's in you know she's in a lot of different upcoming projects. She's gonna be the woman in the window. Who's in oh, that yes, window? It's that woman. <laughs> But she was the uh, inciting force. Um, like she was, she was why he'd wanted to remake Gloria. Apparently, at least, like that's what he said in interviews, was that she was the, you know, why not if I have the chance to work with Julianne Moore? Did mm-hmm. he see a specific performance? It was like yes, or was it just like I like Julianne Moore? That's a good question. I I don't I don't know. I don't know if he's if he has said that in an interview. I have unfortunately not read or seen it, but I did I did watch some with the two of them, and um, they're both very good speakers. So it's it's interesting to hear them chat about their work. A lot of mm-hmm. people aren't great at chatting about their work, and um, they are exceptions to that. Yeah, I would agree. Well, that's why we have a job, of- baby. We 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 <laughs> chat about their work, and we do a great job about it. I mean, lots of lots of Q and As are just like. Oh man, like it's very much. You yeah, are not much comfortable a- to be here. Yeah. Like you could just tell, <laughs> you just... like you, your your agent roped you into this, or a publicist, and you are just hating every second of it. You just want to make a movie and leave. <laughs> just... Yeah, exactly. You don't but want for... to talk to people. Yeah, but she was also why I saw that film because I mean I was as I said picking that based on cast and um, thumbnail, and it wasn't because I had seen the original and was curious. So. Um, I guess she just does it for me as an actress. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I sat through that. I remember that screening really well, like just the film, seeing that film for the first time. Cause I thought that I'd like hallucinated it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Between, between the like interesting, like narrative omissions and, and also just there were aspects of it that felt um, very familiar in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Uh, like very specific story and i know that a lot of them appear in the original to be clear but really specific things that felt very like real um like i mean this is such a weird example but like the you know troubled upstairs neighbor um that she has because i had like when i was in when i was doing my undergrad i i was like gloria in that situation with somebody else you were the upstairs neighbor that was causing a ruckus no No, but i was the like i i really did have the troubled yelling Mm -hmm. guy that lived in the same building that like really needed help and where you felt like you wanted to help i mean in my case it wasn't like a maternal instinct because i think it kind of is in hers but um that's just it's just such a specific weird thing and like i couldn't believe that i was seeing it in this film and is that yeah. bit in the original it is the troubled yeah. young man okay yeah um but you just to go back to what you were saying earlier Sydney, about like how he was like this was the he, that um the director was how do you pronounce his name just as a sebastian leo is how i've heard sebastian it leo. 
I um, say Lelio in my head. I'm not sure if that's if that's correct. I'm just well, Americanizing well, old, it. Don't mind me. It's, let's call good him old, good old Sebastian. Good old gold gold sea bass. Um, I understand. Like I completely understand the idea of oh Julianne Moore. Let's remake this thing. But it is funny when you watch it, and if you had no idea about the original, you would just think that he just made this movie because of Julianne Moore, because she just fits so well into it. It doesn't totally. seem like this. There's a pretext to it. it. Doesn't seem like it's based off a book. It seems like that this that you know the, this director had an idea about a story. He wrote it out, and he's like, "Oh wait, I have I have to have Julianne Moore in this. She's like <laughs> the person for this movie, because it's mm-hmm. insane how." She, I mean, you know, it, she, it, it's like she just fits so well. I mean, we talked, <laughs> funny enough, last week um, or, you know, a few episodes ago, we talked about the ha- Happy Death Day movies and we kept and we kept raving about Jessica Roth's performance and how well she fits into those movies and how much she makes it her own. But she's also the main reason those movies work because um, she complete. it just feels like those movies were made for her and she was made for those movies. Um, same thing with this, honestly. I just think that, Julianne just works so well within the confines. She has that mom energy, but also has that, you know, like that, like pathos at any moment she can like, you know, bring it out at the dinner, whether it be at a dinner scene, mm-hmm. just by giving certain looks. Um, <laughs> she also has that just charming zany energy that makes it feel like you understand why people are drawn to her and why people like her so much. But um, it, it is, it, it's cr- it is truly just kind of like well this movie was made for her and there's no other like there's no nothing else happened it was her right she was the origin of it and that's it but i think it when she's upset think, yeah she's also very measured um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i and i think i always got that sense in every performance um yeah it, she's i don't know i don't know how, how else to say it but it's like she's just aged very well she has Um, yeah she has like um a bit like when i saw first reformed i noticed how well ethan hawke has aged like just very interesting ring i think there must be of similar age um but just like sim oh thank you but they want like very interesting like wrinkles and stuff like Mm -hmm. that but they just yeah and they kind of bring a similar uh, parental feeling that is hard to ma- to be so natural um, even if you're just playing a character as opposed to, to being yourself. They've also yeah, been I... playing their age as it goes along. They're That's not true. like, yeah. like, I mean, I love Tom Cruise, but if you like, <laughs> he, like it's, he really doesn't think he's like 40. He just doesn't. He doesn't think he is aged at all. He doesn't. He, it feels like he doesn't think age exists. I mean, if you look at the mummy, and you're like, dude, no, <laughs> like you can't. Like, look, if you see one, you see your, you see, you know, your um, the lead actress. That is a 57 year old man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like she's like 30 years younger than him, or something crazy like that. It's just one of those things where like, no, no, Tom, no. I mean, the Mission Impossible movies make sense because that it's kind of about that. It's about him aging as like the greatest like the greatest man to ever live in Ethan Hunt but like with Hawk well, and more hang on you mean the manifestation of destiny the yeah, manifestation okay of destiny. thank you thank you That's um, how. nothing will stop him um but like like with Hawk and more they are very much they've matured as they've gotten older they have you know they haven't like changed their the, like their personas or anything but they've calibrated to their 
Because they think they're also of the advantage to not have a persona. True. That is that also helps. Um, like they it, have no franchise seem, that yeah. they're tied to. They have, and it doesn't seem like no they have an insane allegiances. Ego. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's um, true. And uh, by the way, she is ten years older than Ethan Hawke, which oh, I fascinating. Mean, yeah, it's mm. surprising because she looks mm. great. Yeah, she she looks fit. Just to come back to what you said earlier, Jack, about how she has sort of like a measured um, emotional thing to her. I was thinking about the airport scene where she drops her daughter off and i was it's it's that scene is like identical to the the one in ladybird right Mm -hmm, in a way that and i think that was the same year right it was the same tiff i should say same tiff oh maybe and they all came out in 2017 but it might have yeah maybe yeah did it do i i just have these two tiffs like totally tangled that's my bad but that's okay it's was book smart at tiff at 2018 Booksmart was at South by Southwest. Because if it yeah, was at, because it also has another I'm dropping you off the airport, we're crying oh, scene. Yeah. <laughs> it does, yeah. The very end. Um But that one You wanna go get pancakes? <laughs> oh yeah, that's I am. Um, yeah. So like that that puts it in conversation with like Lady Bird in an interesting way. Yeah. Um there's another scene. Oh, so the other thing is like the Gloria like the song Gloria needle drop because there was a Gloria. wave of that song appearing in films, including in like I Tonya and I think in that whatever the the Versace season of uh, American Crime Story, and um, it's such a great song. And I think maybe part banger. of my part of my uh, being drawn to this film is that that's like one of my favorite songs ever, if not my favorite song. So um, I think this film does like interesting things with the needle drops that the original. Great score too. Yeah, love great, really the electronic kind of feel to it. Well, the, I think, there was. Yeah. You go ahead. Oh, um, yeah, I think that the um, Gloria needle drop is just a miracle in and in and of itself. I, the fact that it's not cheesy is just mm. like really satisfying. Um, it somehow is like very moving in the moment. Yeah, like it's very moving. Like, yeah. It brings so a lot of catharsis. Yeah. On paper, right. it's a groan. It's like it's like the definition of like. Ugh, of course, they <sighs> play Gloria in a movie Gloria. called Gloria. You All know, right. in fact, yeah. um, you bring up Cassavetes earlier. There's the movie called Gloria that he made with Jenna Rollins, um, and it's like imagine if in that movie they play Gloria, which I mean, thankfully they don't. But it's like, um, but yeah, it's it's like, um, and to say something about the score like the um i, I forget who the composer is but i remember up. just being like very much um yeah like i talked about earlier seeing it in the colonial it's it has this feeling that i couldn't really describe it was just um matthew uh, it was Herbert. kind of ethereal i guess Ooh, like that's a good word i don't know <laughs> Material, I like it. Oh, I'm just like pulling out on. my thesaurus. Don't mind yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, um, I mean, yeah. We all have thesauruses on hands. I know no one sees <laughs> the camera right now, but we're all holding yeah. thesauruses just in case yeah. anytime we have to use an adjective. Well, it's interesting because uh, Lilio said that... Sydney's at a library right now. It's interesting. Yeah, it's you, should, <laughs> you should see it. It's quite yeah. quite something. Um, he, he called this film like, like a hidden musical in the sense that the songs had been... I mean, this is not exactly like novel or groundbreaking but the songs had been chosen for their lyrics and their respective moments so i really like 
that song appearing when it does, um, just as a sort of like surprise at this wedding that sort of ties everything up. I think the needle drops in this film are really smart. I mean, the the original has uh, similarly like 70s and 80s music, but um, the paintball, like the not the paintball scene, but the scene where she paintballs him. Hell yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> to use that as a verb. That has like, you know, the total eclipse of the heart really makes that. And that's mm-hmm. not in the original. I don't think there is a... If there's a needle drop in the original of the in that scene, it's not a song that I knew as a big disco person, seventies, um, eighties music person, I should say. So I think they're just really well. It was like re- this film was really pandering to me and my music taste. Yeah, and it's for sure why it had the impact on me that it did. Um, I. I believe Total Clips of the Heart is one of my mom's favorite songs as well. Um, Has she yeah, seen the, this film? Um, she hasn't, but... you got to show it to her, I man. Figure, yeah, I figure. Um, one of these days. This is the, this is one that's, like, a really easy sit, so it's, like, totally, like, in for another viewing. Um, but, I, I, yeah, and that paintball scene comes at, at such a time where it's, where it's like the breaking point is so earned mm-hmm. um and i and i love and it's like set up so wonderfully um just like paintball is i mean like i think she says at one point um it's such a like war is such a boy thing mm-hmm. uh, along those lines and um, you boys and your or like your war or something they, they yeah, pretend like, war starts- um and that's different in the in the this version is he yeah. starts listing off all of the examples. <laughs> yeah, like, like zombies. Reminded, yeah, yeah. Yeah, president <laughs> manhunt. I was reminded yeah. of being on like the elementary school playground and just having like to hear about all these games that I wasn't interested in at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think the paintball is like so out of any mom's wheelhouse that you wouldn't expect that, and for her to take such a liking to it. Um, it brings the connection between Gloria and Arnold so much stronger. Um, it doesn't help that. And of course it helps that Totoro and Julianne Moore have such terrific chemistry. Um, I love the fact that like her original plan had been to throw them out. And so in the end she got, <laughs> she returned them to him, but yeah, she you know, did. Also yeah, got she her, did. Got her way. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny if you think about it from like a, I don't know, like a motherly, womanly standpoint that she ended up giving them back instead of throwing them out. I think that's like a funny detail. Like, okay, I know you left me in Vegas, but I'm going to make this happen so that I get to have this really cathartic moment. And also you can, you can have these back because like, you know, if I throw them out, you'll have to get new ones. And that doesn't make any sense. It'll cost you a fortune. Yeah. Yeah, it's also like she's again like, what do I gain from him? Just like from them being in the trash. Like, wouldn't it be so much more satisfying to just give it to him, but give it to him? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, just blast. I'm gonna him give away. it back and then give it back, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I just, I can't, I can't, I can't tell you how hard I fist pumped when that happened. <laughs> I saw her pulling out the gun, and I'm like, oh shit, this is happening. Is that like, like, like it's a fucking Marvel movie? Just like, what? <laughs> you know, just like, just with the paint. It's so, oh, it's so good. Um, I do remember cheering in the theater when I saw that. This hell yeah, you got the only, to. 
probably yeah. the only scene that I remember like other people. I probably the only scene where I realized other people were watching it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, in any like human real way, but yeah. There's also yeah, like if you don't have a reaction to that, I I can't get to. I, if you don't have a reaction to that scene, <laughs> I can't associate. Oh, hundred percent. There's also like this is a bit of a shifting of gears, but like there's also an interesting like Trump eraness to this film. Um, mm. like going forward, and of course I this I'm speaking as a, like a North American here because I realize that the original context is so different, but there's you know the conversation I had between like the two couples in the one scene is about like gun control and um there are these details that make it feel very 20 2018 2019 as opposed to some other year in the decade yeah no it did feel like especially his line like you know they bring up climate change and Chitaro's like well i don't think you know i don't think it's time to panic you know i don't think we need to panic you know Mm -hmm. every generation thinks it's going to end blah blah blah. it is there very much that conversation we are having every other day well if the world does end i hope i go out dancing yeah and that's and that's just such a good line i love how she makes that back to being about it sort of um negates what i just said actually which is that she gloria bell is thinking about dancing she's not really thinking about politics or you know the life i guess you could be like she's not thinking about now she's thinking about when she can she's thinking about the future she's thinking about but it's not like the world's the future she's thinking about Gloria's future and I think right. that's very much okay I think that's okay how um, optimism is like uh really like depleted um thing lately I think it's like trendy yes. to be like, of course depleted I think it's you know trendy to be Cynical. perhaps a tad performatively pessimistic and I mm-hmm. it doesn't do anything for me like I don't think I could have gotten through the last year that way um i think like there's a lot of real pessimism like it's grounded in fact as opposed to you know pulled out of one's ass but you know it's i like that that line in the film because it's like she's just so despite everything so like optimistic (laughs) and (laughs) you know like her vision of that world ending is like well i'm still gonna i'll still have my disco i'll still have my wrap dresses and you know but it's not like um, her optimism is delusional. She's not saying the world's not going to end. She's just basically, like, it's not one of those things where, like... Well, GB like is a good saying, listener. Yeah, it's not like she's saying that I I don't believe climate change is going to end. Or, like, I don't believe climate change is going to end the world. She's not saying any of that. She's just saying, well, yeah, I mean, the world's probably going to die or whatever. But, you know, let's let's live here and let's live in the here and now. And, mm-hmm. and I think that, po- like, that reframe instead of just like discard, discarding what they were they were talking about just a reframe of it really kind of one shows that you know she's not she's living in reality but she also is has priorities of what she wants to do with herself like self-care self-actualization of like how she wants to live so, it's funny yeah. you say like self self-care because i was gonna say i i feel like there's something very also white about this film obviously like it's a very oh, yeah. like white person's trump era where she's doing like laughing yoga and i know that that's also in the original but it's like laughing yoga and Mm. um just the entire like her life is yoga and dinner parties and it's oh yeah she doesn't have any real issues in that way like well okay i don't want to say it like that she's not dealing with like there's no conflict 
yeah, there's more like systemic yeah. systemic conflict happening in the film. It's just exactly. all stuff related to being like a middle aged woman, which is of course its own can of worms. But it's it's uh, she, her life is is easy enough let's say that the the real drama in it comes from these like absolute freaks that she's surrounded by yeah (laughs) but it's funny like we have this on on the one side but then the lack of conflict comes from the relaxing and um inviting nature that the tone stems stems from um it's it's a really interesting tug of war that the movie's at because it does it does have these things um that are so in the now like the going back to the dinner scene when the issue of gun control comes up and it's almost I, again like I, I can't this is horrible for a podcast but i can't describe like <laughs> the um the sort of tension and deflection that's that's felt and just like initially um weaponized when certain issues are brought up it's it's very well observed um and she's kind of mm-hmm. acting like the movie yeah. of like when she's giving that pause reframe it, like, especially rita like the, wilson i was trying to think of the the actress that's yeah mm-hmm. it's, it, that's but the friend, movie's but... very much like yes the world's ending but we're not going to talk about that it's not our <laughs> it's not our movie this is not that movie it's we're it's totally different like we're talking about dancing this is the movie like don't worry about gun control or whatever. Like it is very much that idea of we're not focusing on that perspective of reality right now. We're just looking through the prism of someone who has who who whose life is easy enough for them to be insanely introspective about their place, like their you know their their feelings after motherhood or whatever, or like them processing processing through their divorce. Like they're at such a comfortable place that they can do that and be a huge part of their life is them exploring themselves. I mean, it really is like the moment in which she delivers like the thesis statement of the film, right? Because then Hell yeah. that's how it ends. Like that's, it's, it's exactly what, what she carries out over the next however many minutes. Yeah. And I think, I think there's like actual value to that. Like the idea of that, of the movie being very much explicit in what it's doing. Cause I, I do think sometimes we get away with how can i say this a lot of prestige dramas try to be about everything or prestige or character studies in general have you know are trying to be about all of the um all of the issues regarding society right now and Mm. some of them can work but it's just such an ambitious and wide thing to tackle that it feels biting off more than you can chew yeah exactly yeah that 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 tagline um but like so I do really appreciate the idea of a movie just being focused. I think mm-hmm. we're getting away with that or getting away from that a lot of times nowadays with a lot of the, you know, Oscar, Oscar type films of, you know, like, especially like even like, but like when it's like a character study, you're kind of like, what are we doing here? You know, mm-hmm. we gotta, we gotta, we gotta look at the character. You know, this is the, this is a character study, you know, why are we focusing so much on everything everything going on in the world at that moment like it's like why are we taking a sociological aspect to uh, like you know to the film like why i'm not saying you can't incorporate those ideas but it does become so it becomes meandering it just kind of lose you, you start to lose the plot i mean and and so i, I really do appreciate and so that yeah it's almost focus, as if like a concentration 
I guess like I can't think of any examples of that off the top of my head, but um, it's almost as if filmmakers are trying to use character as a vessel for sub for uh, for topical issues as if and it, sometimes that works. Suppo- sometimes it's supposed that to be works, but of course, it's yeah, just... it's valid, yeah. But it, like it's... I think Soderbergh can do it very well, for instance. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, usually it's supposed to be the, the other way around, and it'll create catharsis such as this, you know. Yeah, I just really I mean, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, oh, I just I just I just really appreciate that this movie I actually get to know who Gloria is. Like mm-hmm. I, I know that sounds like a basic, uh, like a some like kind of like a basic praise to give it, but it is sometimes it's just good to actually understand the character you're you're watching and like the, your the character study is actually successful in studying that character. Well, I'm gonna up you with the basic observations, but I think it's a. Uh... I think it's a testament to how well Julianne Moore understands Gloria Bell. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just like an example of like the actor knows the character better than the writer. (laughs) And that's also refreshing. The director said something in one interview that I read uh, that suggested that he, she had obviously gone away and like put her own take on the character together in terms of backstory and that sort of thing. But he didn't know what it was. Like it wasn't something that they discussed because he was almost more interested in like the story was clear on his end like he'd made it he'd quite literally made it before but she it was like an opportunity to work with julianne moore and for julianne moore to work on this character um and that was like the driving force behind the remake happening at all so a really interesting exercise if you think about mm. it but it's the it's you know she does come through as like a very real person um, like multifaceted if you will and it's really like there are these really tiny tiny moments that speak to that and make her feel like a real person like it this is silly but you know her having this very very serious conversation with like her wax lady that's the most realistic thing because oh, you yeah. you have to talk about anything that'll distract each of you from the fact that like what you're really doing is like probably like the most intimate non-medical thing you can do that's not actually yeah a little bit more off the side (laughs) yeah yeah that's exactly but it's true because like that's like your wax lady and like you that's the most important conversations you you find yourself having is like i'm staring at the ceiling (laughs) spread eagle and like you know we're going to talk about the bible because that's what's happening in that scene right yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, as someone who's gone to too many medical appointments to uh, that I really want, or how can I say this? I go to way too many medical appointments, or I used to at least when I start when I had some, you know, sometimes like some gnarly health problems. You know, just a mm-hmm. lot of uncomfortable sessions where I would just be talking to my doctor about you know anything, just like chit chat. And it is one of those things like when they have like a needle in my head or whatever, and I'm still just like, yeah, man, you know, things are going well. Like, you know, have you ever thought about this? Like, just daily life stuff and just uh, that rapport. It is something that, like, that sounds like when it, it's, it, it almost always feels comical if you see it in a movie. Like, something like something so super Yeah, it's hard to that. write small talk. Right? Yeah, yeah, but it's also like one of those things. Nearly like, impossible. If the, if the character Except you know is Baumbach. doing 
but yeah if the character is doing something really uncomfortable like you know like in my case having an i used to have these nerve blocking um like uh needles or whatever uh for my neurologist because of my migraine so he would basically snick a needle in the back of my head um painful but like if you write if you like show that in a movie it's gonna kind of come out come off as comical because you see this horribly Un, you know this uncomfortable thing happening that the character's going through but they're still just kind of having like daily mundane chit chat it comes yeah. off as like it for some reason it comes off unrealistic when you think about it when you write like look at it on paper um because it's like well why are they being acting so normal when there's a needle going through their head um but like it but when or it's, it's a bit or I, you can take that medical examination and be like the doctor always has an answer for everything and the patient has an answer for nothing. And I always think of um, Snecticon, New York, when Philip Seymour Hoffman has to go to the hospital several times. And it's and it's like his rashes and eczema are like remaining worse and worse. And it's like, well, you have to go to ophthalmologist. An, an ophthalmologist? And it's, and it's like <laughs> just this pattern of like he can't hear the doctor and it's like he he's not getting any better with the pills, and it's it's this whole thing. But um, yeah, I think you're right. It just turns into absurd absurdist situations. It's but it's this, real life, though. It's like that's, yeah, that's exactly. Bad. It's like this funny like beauty in like the routine, um, and like the mundane. And I there are little moments like that elsewhere, like the way that she ends. Some of them are very mom specific. They're like you know ending voicemails with like, "It's your mother." or you know like accidentally give me a call back exactly or like accidentally outing her daughter as pregnant and sort of just doubling down on it because your mom and you know or like the the part where she has her daughter like read the email out loud to her dad even though she's like kind of embarrassed um that's all very like it's all i I love when brad garrett's um line reading of send me a copy send me a copy of the photo (laughs) He's good. Right, which is just also for that so one scene, he's really good. Yeah, totally. he's he's good in everything. He's just like a very much a um, yeah, particular and, and size of as, person. Yeah, yeah, it's like as perfectly dad-like as Gloria is mom-like. Uh huh. Yes. Yeah. I I think I mean also like the middle like the middle-aged divorcee energy in this movie is off the charts. It's just like beaming it. with yeah. it. Um, I think I, I said in my letterbox review, uh, the amount of metal force, uh, or metal force, God, uh, metal age divorcee energy in this movie could power a space station. Or I think, I, are I we just going to like read off letterbox? Reviews yeah, now? I think we are uh, th- like a solar system. Good, I said, but... um, but it is like, they do have, they have all the isms down the mom isms, the divorcee isms, the dad isms, all of that, but it never feels Again, this movie's always walking this tight line of becoming stereo- like a like a by the numbers you know, studio comedy of like, oh, she's the mom, and guess what? He's the dad, and they're wacky. Like it 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 it, it stays in reality while also like kind of understanding that some she met this new guy. You know, that's one of those. Yeah, it, it but it sticks. It stays true to the reality of it, but also like sometimes life is like a like a comedy like it, like sometimes it is that like basic and stereotypical the reason why we relate to these um these concepts so much is because 
they have there's reality in them <laughs> like you know moms sometimes do act like moms dads sometimes do act like dads i'm not saying that it's like ev- like it's a unilateral uniform yeah uh, mm-hmm. behavior that's exhibited by like people but it is sometimes they there is this energy and this attitude that certain people that like people have when they're at a certain stage of their life and they have gone through certain things and like, we know it without being able to describe it sometimes yeah exactly it is sometimes a feeling but it, it and they now never, but they never play too much into it like the movie does yeah. it never plays too much into it where it becomes like all right we get it it still feels very real. Now, what do we think of uh, Sebastian Leo being a non-American and making a movie about an American, not just an American movie, or like an, an English-speaking movie, but like an, about an American family, almost? Like, what do we... Well, that's why I think I find, like, the demographic of the film and the conversation at that one dinner party interesting. It's like, I always wonder with directors who are not, like, you know... Um, American born, but like operating in like a Hollywoody sphere, whether they have a more like they have this ability to be a little bit more detached from um, and and therefore objective and critical. Mm-hmm. And it's like if their vision matches up with what an American's director would have been of the same text. Right. Um, or if it's just idealized. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes you can tell directors... Or if it matters. Right? Yeah. But sometimes you can also come be, you can tell that, like, foreign-born directors or, like, people who aren't born in the U.S. directors don't feel comfortable characterizing um, U.S. characters, meaning that it either comes off as a stereotype or stil- stilted or just kind of, like, I don't I don't understand, really, the American persona, so... but for but I, I think have the to have one that jumps to everyone's here. mind is Martin McDonough making Three of the Hillboards. Yeah. I think that was the big asterisks yeah Yeah. i mean that movie has a lot of asterisks but still like that's one of the asterisks yeah i i think that's that's a good point i think that's a that's exactly kind of thing of just like i think this is how americans act but i'm not sure but i'm just gonna throw them in in anyways because i got no choice but this for some that's the only issue that movie has right that's that's it that's the cutoff yeah wink wink nudge nudge (laughs) um i and i do think though this movie for some reason comes off like I don't know. It seems super L.A. to me. From what I know of L.A., I've been to L.A. from the people I've met that are from L.A. It's just, I don't know. It all checks the boxes. All right, Mr. California man. Okay. Yeah. I I didn't realize you're so West Coast now. I'm I'm a state up, baby. I'm I'm close. I'm closer (laughs) than any of you two. So, hey, I'm the, uh, you know what? I'm the authority on the I did not realize this is going to be a competition. I'm putting the hammer down. I'm the authority of California. (laughs) You're the new governor. But of course, it's a very like specific. I feel like it's this like specific side of LA. Oh yeah, like mm. the white liberal yeah. middle age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it but in focusing solely on that, it does it so well. Um, consciously, as like you were saying earlier, Clay, like works better that way. Where it's here, I'm gonna here's my focus, and like I'm gonna stick to it. I'm not. I'm gonna try and do ten things at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, like, this film's most ambitious uh, plot element is just, like, the, like, the, it really gets, like, the scariness and the kind of weird vulnerability involved in, like, falling in love with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I have, like, more on that thought necessarily. Just, <laughs> I I find it, like, that it, it really interesting, like, the scene where he's reading her the poem and she tears up and it's kind of awkward that she's, up but also you kind of get it 
and also you've like been there but like not to be weird but you've been there and like you know um, yeah and he's not being smooth about it either which i like he's kind of like taking pauses within like you know he's not reading it perfectly he doesn't have this over dramatic tone he's just kind of reading her a poem yeah and then his daughter's call (laughs) it's just the perfect capper then shenanigans yeah i mean well i guess it's uh worth noting maybe perhaps but like the original is the original feels like there's almost less romance between them and more like steaminess there's like yeah those sex scenes are notably uh more i don't want to say graphic but like there's there's more risk taking involved in them than there is in in this version i don't know if that's just like mm-hmm. america coming through or yeah a lot of mission yeah, in this totally yeah. i think the sex <laughs> is um very much it has a matter of factness in the remake yeah. um but i'm i'm not yeah i'm not sure where to attribute that to um yeah maybe it's I, yeah I it could be just though if it's like the hollywood hollywood aspect coming through because it could it, it could like be the original yeah. has like full frontal um on both her part and his and like that's not true in this film um and, but i he seems to almost have some fun with that our friend sebastian um with like <laughs> friend of the pod yeah yeah like the like the, the i i don't know if it's just like the way that my brain attaches two images together but like the her like with the cat becomes her getting a bikini wax and i feel like there's a joke there huh and then when she's later lying on her bed in lieu of a full frontal because she's got like you know titties out or whatever the cat is positioned like strategically i think that's probably intentional um like sort of a funny way to like wink i'm not giving you um I think it's just I, what I'm saying. In case it's unclear, is these are all pussy jokes. And I, mm. I, and I, I'm now I'm 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 hearing what you're putting down. I, you know, I I I, I, I get it. I, I'm understanding. I'm comprehending, and I think you're right. Yeah. Thanks. Um. Yeah. That cat CGI, right? I, it drove me the fuck crazy. That's CGI. That's there's no way that's an actual cat. It's a I've CGI cat. I've heard. I may have heard of the craziness. It, it, at some it, point. And like at the end, it, it's all in wide shots and it's in the shadows. It doesn't look real. I got freaked out by it. I'm like, is that cat real or not? I got a- I need answers. It, it, it looks super. Well, I think real or a sphinx cat is so weird looking anyway that you, I I wouldn't I didn't even notice that it looked off. Maybe I'm. Crazy. I remember when this came out that A24 was tweeting a lot about the cat. Isn't that funny? Like I just like, I don't funny. remember in any. In light of in light of what I've just said, I think that's interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Because it, I don't remember, like, what the tweets were, but it was just, it was, like, um, someone maybe made a list of, like, the best cats in cinema, and it was in honor of Gloria Bell coming out, and I, oh, man, I, I hope I don't get that wrong, but. Well, if you did remember um, um, an A24 tweet verbatim, I might be a little bit concerned. I don't know. I think. Like... <laughs> yeah, that would be. That would be oh I yeah. I think that's when we that's had true. to end the podcast if you were like yeah, there's this one A24 Twitter on January twentieth two thousand twenty that would that would be a... guys you should have saw it when under the skin was coming out like they had this one tweet yeah. <laughs> uh, it's interesting but, though uh, where people actually like I've never seen people well maybe this is not true in like history but 
in recent memory, it's I have not seen people like stan a film distributor this way where it's like that's what's being that's the the property that people are paying attention to more so than like the actor. Yeah, like, what's, it's interesting. what's the next like what's the next Julianne Moore flick? It's like what's the next A twenty four movie? Yeah, uh, I think that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, we kind of touched upon this in uh, a well, ghost We talked story. about a lot of A24 yeah. films. Yeah, we talked about a handful. And we still have a bunch more to go. So it's yeah. like not even... It's um, They're a huge part of this decade. It's like, you know, whether you like them or not. Like, they, the elevated horror, they're, you know, they have a... And they started at the very beginning of the decade. It's not even like a late arrival. Yeah. It's and, and just 2012 clear, with Spring Breakers, they burst on the scene. And just to be clear, when I said elevated horror... When I said elevated horror, I hated myself the moment I said it too. So don't. So yeah. I, I understand everyone just growing. I'm going to fire you, it. so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. But you know that whole they. I'm not saying they created these genres, but it is one of those things that they. It, it became. They are a brand. They have the yeah, character totally. studies. You're like Last Black Man in San Francisco. You're you know Gloria Bell, and they also have. Um, they also have the like you know quote unquote elevated horror. They're Ari Aster's, their lighthouse. That's that strike two. You have I three. know, but I did quote unquote, so I think I think I'm fair. I think I'm I think I'm good. Um, it's like Beetlejuice. You can't use elevated horror. But it, but no, A24 is. Very See, look much, at that. That's one for me. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, I, I I do I'm not think. Say it. Yeah, don't yeah. say it. Don't say it. No more. No no more. Ele- Wait, I almost said it again. I'm not gonna say it again. Um, but like two and a half. That's two and a half. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no, they're a big part of this decade, and they do have a brand, and they do have an image. Um, Neon, I think, is coming for it. I think Neon is on its heels. Um, sure. It is just very silly, the fact that we have to pit competition. No, no, but well, um, I'm, I'm talking about, well, if you look at, like, Parasite and how they controlled that Twitter and all of that, like, you can very much tell that, you know, a lot of production portrait companies. of a lady on fire. Yeah, exactly. Like, like they're take, they're trying to become more aggressive and cur- you know, cultivating their brand and like scanning mm. films and stuff like that. So it's, it's, you know, um, but Blumhouse, like, think, but know, we'll but... talk about these production companies plenty because they're, they're a big part. Yeah. Like you have, of course you have your franchises and your blockbusters and your directors, but I think production companies like a 24 and Blumhouse really illustrate a lot of the trends that happened this decade. Yeah, I think for a generation, they they saw they gave you the gateway drugs into movies. I've a lot of us at least. I've known a lot of. I know. Yeah, a majority of the of people our age, I think, um, they watch a movie like like Lady Bird or Florida Moonlight. Project, and they're like, yeah, and they're like, I. I can see clearly now, you know, like well, movies can, can do things that Serious I did not dramas. know they could do before. Um, and the thing that <laughs> the thing that gives them longevity is like they rarely replicate themselves. Um, at least for me, I don't observe any trends like um and that's why Gloria Bell, I think, is something that I was so looking forward to. It's just another thing that, oh, it's an A24, which means they have a good taste for what they distribute and, and purchase at a festival. Most of the time. It's, it's like, yeah. Right. No, I I guess that's what I meant. But it, yeah, um, but yeah it's, it's just like, um, it is very funny to think that a company is, um, yeah. is what people are 
looking out for, but it just goes to show how brilliantly their marketing is. They've hit a, they've hit a chord. I mean, whether you hate them or love them, they've oh, hit they've struck a chord yeah. within a demographic. What are your A twenty four thoughts, Sydney? Yeah. Like him, dislike him. I honestly like I I'm indifferent to. Mm-hmm. I'm indifferent to the. Well, I'm not indifferent to the films. I have quite enjoyed the films that I've seen to come out of A24. But as I said, it's just, it's really interesting the way that they have like merch. And yeah, it almost feels like they're maybe trying to compete a little bit with the fact that like Netflix has its own brand. And in the age of streaming, like distributors have to wear more hats than they did previously. Because, they you have, know, yeah. They have to create their own thing. Like, A24 is trying to create a brand of that. They're the hip record shop in downtown Austin. Does that make, does that make sense? Like, they're, they're, the, they're the, like, hippie kind of, like, we, ha- we know the good stuff, man. We understand. This is where all the cool kids hang out. You know, like, they have, they're trying to create that realm for themselves because I, I think all, I think, like you said like uh, distribution companies are very much aware of like they need a thing i mean i think like cool record stores what yeah and um like cool record stores it's very Mm -hmm. boring to say that you love them still like yeah of course i i like a24 movies but um it's like ah man i should really dislike one of them (laughs) yeah because then that just makes it more exciting yeah and I'll, yeah it, it, it is but there is this i don't want to say <clears throat> pandering might be the wrong word but you know they do a24 does make movies for a certain their their brand like they don't you never you never hear oh a24 did that like the only like the, there's no outliers like besides maybe like the Gerard carmichael show but that was like way early in the in, in mm. uh very early on in a24 history so like and they do have some things that don't exist but it's like what studio doesn't but if you told them um, if you told someone oh that was an a24 movie like oh i can see that they're very much yeah. focused on their brand and they're i, I don't know if I they're hype like, i don't know if they're like ain't being anal about it but like they they're there's this awareness there but yeah they do have this they do merch. like idiosyncrasies right? yeah i do it's think like, of this what, sort yeah. of like grainy like you can picture like an electric current running through like the soundtrack i don't know if that makes any sense no no it does right. it does okay um yeah i also love that this the um tagline for this film is love life which i think is very funny because it's like Mm. a double you can hear that two different ways oh Ah, you know love life but also clever love life yeah all right took me a second i'm not the smartest i'm not the (laughs) sharpest knife in the drawer but i got it and it also sounds like a uh one of those wood tile, like, frames that moms would have in their Oh, kitchens. like mm. it was like a knitted message within it, like love life. Mm. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a live, laugh, love kind of thing. Mm, exactly. Yes. Thank yes. you. Yes. I'm so glad that you understood what I meant. 100%. Yeah. I think it's interesting that A24 has four movies that take place in Florida. I guess mm-hmm. that you could say, I mean, we kind of covered that in Moonlight, but I think you could say that their Florida quadrilogy is like also their their little hole that they dug for themselves they, for yeah, better they, or for worse. They dig holes for themselves yeah. for sure. When they you know they hitch yeah. their their they hitch their wagons with Aster and uh, Eggers and stuff like that, and they also then do the character studies 
that we mentioned earlier. But like, yeah. Um, yeah I guess for myself, like I, I again, like I, I never think of a twenty four as an a twenty four movie as a whole. Like I, I guess I, I never had approached it with, um, with be with trying to pinpoint their characteristics and. Mm-hmm. Um, but I because feel like they, they've now, always just saying it pe- out loud now. I feel like they're yeah, trying I, I, to tell you this is what we're doing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't really, I don't really think of them that way either. I just, you do pay attention, you, you pick up on the way that like people flock to the newest release um, from them, for yeah. sure. And, and like you that see the part discourse feels new. too. Yeah, totally. And and that might be the only reason we're talking about it now. It's that we're all like you know, very online. Yeah, and A twenty four loves very online people. That's who they make movies for. They make movies. That might for be film the time. best. This is probably the best like summation of the brand if we've we've all been trying to yeah get at yeah. one yeah yeah um yeah see if they're important to the decade I, I I like a lot of their stuff I do think it is just interesting <laughs> sociologically to see oh people are standing a production company now it's mm-hmm. like a, yeah. they they've become this kind of franchise of like you know this brand awareness I'm not like they're not like the MCU or anything but it's just more of just like oh it's an A twenty four film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like criterion it's at the point it, like the, these are the like the, sure the poppy kind of names in film twitter that you're just like one eyebrow one eyebrow is immediately raised like you s- say more um yeah um but yeah Gloria i guess bell, it goes though, to show it goes to show their range when they have gloria bell the lighthouse it's true they have range on one year and um, um yeah. and i'm not and i guess that's not another argument to dispute uh their interests when distributing and buying movies. But I think, I think, it, yeah, it's, it's fun just to be like, wow, that was, that was all in one year. And, um, yeah, um, quite a catalog. That's why we talk about them a lot. Um, but yeah, Gloria Bell, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I do, we should talk uh, pretty quickly about Totoro because I think mm. I had no idea oh, he was so in this movie. This. So I saw this movie oh, for the oh, first time did? yesterday. Oh had no clue no idea just knew it was more did you know what it was about uh yeah i mean vaguely yeah yeah. like you know middle-aged woman kind of did you see the trailer in when it was coming out or i probably saw clips remember i probably saw it on do you remember the tweets at all no (laughs) i i I saw count i definitely saw countdowns like you know at the end of each year there's a countdown top 25 of 2019 i definitely saw this pop up a bit um Mm. Shot from it at least. I remember in one of those, I think someone used Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yeah, um, one of those countdowns. But yeah, I had no idea Totoro was in this. We've covered Totoro quite recently, funny enough. Or wait, have we? Yeah, yes, we have. Wait. In. Yeah, I mean, a few. I mean, a few months ago, or a he month wasn't ago in Transformers Four though. He wasn't Transformers Four. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. No, he wasn't. That's the thing is, we really? just watched Did all we those watch movies too back many to back of them? that we thought he was. I was, no. I almost had like, oh boy. Me and, so uh, we did Transformers okay. Age of yeah. Extinction yeah. Let's, a few let's months Let's back ago. up, let's back up. Yeah. And both of, in, both me and Jack haven't seen a single, didn't watch a single Transformers movie before then, but then per preparation yeah. for the, yeah. the podcast, we, we watched. We spent a whole week. Yeah, I binged the first three. He we, binged all of them. Um. 
and I uh, and he is in those movies. And I for some reason yeah. thought he was in four, but I completely forgot. So yeah, never mind. He has but, different yeah, modes. So, but that's anyway. what we'll say. He he does show this de- decade that he has quite a range from mm-hmm. a Cohen to oh, is he in a Cohen's this year in this decade? This decade is he well, in any of them? Uh, the Cohen brothers have True Grit. They have he Inside must Ideas. be. He must be. They have Hell Caesar, and they have Battle of Buster Scruggs. He's not in Buster is Scruggs, in, which is is insane. he in Hell Caesar? It's crazy that he's not in Buster Scruggs. Hell Caesar would be my guess, but I think he has I, such an interesting like backstory in this film, where he's like wears like a girdle mm-hmm. and yeah. That there's that scene. Was That's so such weird. a good gag in both iterations yeah Yeah, like just like this sex scene and then you hear the like velcro (laughs) (laughs) i love um (laughs) i just i love um how i mean i I don't know it kind of feels mean but i I like how middle-aged it is Mm -hmm. like it just it feels very true to that stage in your life um when sex is typically something that's meant um, for, for at a time when you're like 20 years, 15 years removed from the age that they're at now, but once they're trying to, um, to do it again, it's like, you have this girdle involved and it's like, oh my gosh, this is not what, how I remember this going. Yeah. No, like I, I love the idea of him being like at the club wearing that too. Like he would have put that on at the beginning of the night. Um, yeah. I don't remember what he says to her in that moment, but he's just like, just take it off. <laughs> it's like, as opposed to what? <laughs> um, but yeah, I also like, is the implication that he was sort of not entirely uh, forthcoming about like how involved with his ex-wife he still is? Maybe. I sometimes wonder if like he was sort of not all that, separated from her or yeah i don't know it's interesting yeah, i i always got the uh impression that the one year separation is always a very loose separation because yeah. they may not be married but they're still very much um involved in each other's lives like i think brad garrett and julianne moore's characters are um are not involved in each other's yeah, lives that's a that's a good and i love that they and i love that we do not get an explanation no. as to get what it. their troubles I know, are. I, I know who that guy is. At, like, I, yeah. I, I don't need a adding big, a, like dissertation. I know who he is. Yeah. Um, and I think because he was involved um, in the military in some fashion, that he's pretty well off. I th- I think that must be the implication. Yeah, I mean his house um, is nice. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And you have to have some capital. To what the one that's paint that's paintballed? Is that the one they are that referring the to? The one that got fucking demolished. <laughs> he um, must be well off because he's like uh, implied to be supporting everybody financially, right? So he has to have yes. money yeah. to deposit every day by by two or whatever. So. Um. Yes. And uh, I I just looked it up. Do you guys want to guess the mm. last um. The last movie, Coen Brothers movie he was in. Wasn't in of this decade. I'll give you that hint. Okay. Oh, Brother Ward, though. Yes. Oh. He hasn't been in a Coen Brothers movie since 2000. 
since 2000. <laughs> that was for both Sydney and I. How about that? <laughs> he hasn't worked. He hasn't worked with them for 20 years. It's crazy. Yeah, to think which about. is well, I mean, like it's it's so it's so like integral to the way that people think of him as an actor, right? That's yeah. true. Those those like that slew of roles. Well, he was part of their legendary. I mean, you could say that you know maybe legendary Barton Fink. Run, I like, think is yeah. just such. And uh, and and Miller's Crossing, I think Barton Fink especially. Big Lebowski. It's such an integral Lebowski, Fink, yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, Fink I think Miller's of Crossing, three of their biggest movies. Uh, yeah, I think of Miller. I think of Barton Fink especially. Just not just because it's a leading role, because but I think it won uh, the Coen Brothers the Palm Door. Um, it was a massive hit critically. It also has all of their isms. Um, all the Coen Brothers. It has all their isms. Yes, yes. It's honestly up there with with my personal favorites um and it just it brings out uh the best of what jt has to offer i mean he's like so good um and and i I mean like he's good in everything right he's just one of those he's good in everything have you guys seen the hbo max or not hbo max the hbo miniseries that he's in the night of no, I haven't. It's him, Riz Ahmed, Bill Camp. Um, this came out in 2016. It's great. It's great, and he's extraordinary in it. Um, I, I, this, yeah. I, I um, excuse him. me, excuse me. Michael Keith Williams is also in the night. Michael Keith Williams is also. You, in that you movie. shouldn't I mean, be like. He comes to the latter know, half. But... <laughs> it's, like, he's not in there for the entire show. He's in. Yes, he is. He is in the entire thing. He's not in the first episode. Okay, but like he's in a he's not in the latter half. Like, oh. all right, but you oh, can't you can't just skim past it. All you can't right. just name I, no, three I, people and then not name I'm, him. I'm know? embarrassed by it. And I'm trying to deflect. All right, if you want my full honesty. Okay, here. but he is he should have an Emmy for the night of. I would. Yeah, I'll yeah. Agree. And he it yeah. seems like he's getting like all of his serious stuff is going to be TV from now on because like he's now in the Plot Against America, which I hear is good. He's very good in Plot Against America. Yeah, too. and it seems like and yeah. like but not and then. For the he, movie, it, it's, it's almost either. as if um, plot against America character. He plays a rabbi, ah, and I see. I see. he's. It's almost as if it was another Coen Brothers character, because ah. he he's very much leading into um, this southern rabbi accent that you would almost hear in a Coen esque world. Like it's a little bit like. Don't you make him a New Yorker? It's a little southern. Why not make him like he's like the most New Yorker person to ever live? Damn, <laughs> I believe he is. He is from New York, but yeah. Um, I it, the show does play take place in New Jersey, but his accent is it has a southern draw to it. It's very it's it's he's very good in it. He's a good actor. So it looks but it looks like this decade is either going to be a blockbuster, a studio comedy, or an indie movie or TV. Well, I guess that just described every movie, but like um, or like every <laughs> type of content there is. But you know what I mean. Like he'll either do an audiovisual the, project. Yeah. Yeah. Is he'll there do, an audiobook in there? He'll, he'll do the Jesus Rolls, the spinoff that he directed about his character from The Big Lebowski that doesn't exist. He'll do Plot Against America or he'll do Transformers. Those are the three modes he's in this decade. Or an Adam Sandler comedy. Um, so, yeah. yeah, he's... But he's good. I, I think he's great in this. But he's never bad. Again, like, he's... No, even the even the shit he's in, he's at least bringing manic energy, which is always appreciated. I think anytime yeah. you're watching something shit, you're always like, "Oh, who's manic in this? Oh, I like this." Like some. He's very good when he works with Spike Lee too. Yes, I love his, his one line delivery of that. Him being like, 
I searched for your eyes, you know. <laughs> and I didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> How could you do this to me? How could you do that to me? It's just... I was going to throw up. He said that he loved you. Right? <laughs> yeah. One of those. It makes me sick. It's so it makes yeah. me sick. It's so good. Sick. Oh, yeah. so good. It's, yeah, it's, he says some things with such conviction, and that's such a vague observation, but like, you know, for anyone who's seen any John DeToro performance, it's, it's true, though. It's like, you get it. You know? his, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think he's great in it. Um, able to hold his own with Julianne Moore, which is a very tall ask, especially mm. the way she is in this movie. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I is, uh, yeah, I, I think he's good. even though he plays a bit of a dick here. Yeah, it's almost like, listen, he's struggling. You know, like he, he's he doesn't play he's a monster. He, can. he doesn't for play me a monster, at least for or me. like a stu- yeah, yeah. or like a douchebag from a like a Adam Sandler comedy. Like he he plays sure. like a person, a very flawed person that really is kind of like is kind of a dick, but like and like really kind of fucked up, um, and doesn't have his priorities on. Or on street, but he gets his like like the consequences do happen. Like it's not like he's, you know, his he also understands of how much of an asshole he kind of is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's why I think he realizes this is my last chance when um, Gloria ex- eventually accepts his, accepts his forgiveness. The first time. um. The first, the first time, yeah. Um, and then when when he walks out of um, Vegas, it's like heartbreaking. Uh, what? Yeah, <laughs> you're. I think like Gloria, you're a little. Um, you're kind of just stunned, honestly. Flabbergasted. Yeah, right? it's yeah. like yeah. you just took all of your things and left without saying a <laughs> word. Like, who the fuck are you, dude? Right, <laughs> right at that restaurant, and then um, the the cut to like her when when the restaurant is cleared and it's just like she just has another glass of wine um right when they plan their strip their trip to spain right yeah it's it's fucked up spain i've never been to spain (laughs) yeah i think the vegas stuff is good i think it's uh shot my boy sean astin comes in for you know that yeah that appearance is so surprising and like I want to say random, but I think he like does that really well. Um, Do you want to guess who that who that was supposed to like that the actor who was originally going to play that role? It's another kind uh, of someone from that era, uh, like when he was big, like as a, kind of like a teen star or you know like a child star. Toby like Maguire. Uh, Corey Feldman. Oh, interesting. Oh. And he's friends with Corey Feldman, so when he couldn't do it, he just gave it. He just said, "Sean can do it." Just gave Sean the role, basically. Imagine being oh, like, fun. "Sorry, I'm not available, but if you'd like, my buddy Sean." Sean Aston. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should do that next time. Someone's like, "Hey, you want to come over for like a dinner party?" I can't, but I I can get Sean Aston too if you mm-hmm. want that. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I like Sean Aston. Yeah, he's just con- he's just constantly an understudy. Yeah, he does have that vibe to him too. He's very much understudy actor vibe, um, which is why he's so great in the Stranger Things because it's like, it's one of those things. It's like he, he anytime you see him act, you're like he it, he he acts like he's not supposed to be in that show. He's yeah. just like I'm just kind of here. He was like I, I mean I'm surprised I'm even, I was even casted. I'm just here. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
yeah and then when they have that night out and then gloria wakes up on um the pool lounge yeah it's awful it's like oh wow it's a little bit better it's... than the original where she wakes up on the beach, which I think would be terrifying. Um, oh, yeah, I totally scared. agree. Yeah, it's not as depressing, it's... too. You kind of have to have it be depressing. Right. I think in the original, too, like, he actually left with all of her stuff. It seems like, like yeah. this one... he did that, too, in this one. Cause he, she oh, has yeah, to... you're right. You're right. Because the mom has to bring a whole bunch of clothes for her. And I was just kind of I like... don't. I don't get the logic on that. No, I don't get that either. I kind of ignored it. I'm just like, I I can't. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. But I think everything is put together so dreamlike. Yes. Which is just like so... It feels so wrong to call something like this dreamlike, but yeah, it just feels feels right at this moment. Well, there are like a ton but of because everything is perfect. where they just, it kind of unnaturally ends and it just cuts to her singing in the car. There's like a ton of stuff where yeah. it's just like you're waiting for that one more line to end the scene and then it just cuts to the car. Yeah, yeah. It's almost as if um, there's a, a higher voice in the story taking place that's telling Gloria's story and they're just cutting to the best of parts. Yeah. If that makes any no sense. No fluff. Mm-hmm. All, all, all bangers. Yeah. <laughs> All disco. It's just like these little like vignettes, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole the whole film bit. is really, but. Um, yeah. Is there anything else we want more? Which kind of adds to the conflict list of it all. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything else we want to talk about Gloria Bell before we get into our favorite scenes? Hmm. Do we want to talk Michael Sarah? I mean, yeah, we are. Does we that sound like the most boring? He's good. That sounds like the most boring thing in the world. Yeah. yeah. My friend has this funny joke about him where it's like, oh, wait, that's just Evan from Superbad. Yeah. <laughs> where it's like, what if that's just how people call him? Oh, hey, you're <laughs> like in movies. Oh, hey, wait a minute. Speaking you, of Tobey Maguire, like, from Superbad. like the biggest range you've ever seen Sarah have is him in Molly's Game playing Tobey Maguire. Mm. Um, even though it's not explicit, <laughs> it's Tobey Maguire. Everyone, it's one of the, like the oh. worst kept secrets in Hollywood is that the person oh, in really? that movie, the player X, who's a fucking asshole, is Tobey Maguire. <laughs> it's really hilarious. My, um, my fave performance of his, aside from Superbad, is Youth and Revolt, um, which I thought was like, I don't, have either of you seen that one? Mm-hmm. Say it again. It's um, Youth and I know Revolt, of it. where oh, okay. he plays like himself and also his alter ego, his like evil alter ego, but he. Um, is the main character in that film so he actually gets to be the main character like throughout and it's he does a really wonderful like it's a hilarious movie and that's in part because it has a very funny ensemble cast but he is at the core of it and he pulled it off really well like I wish I wish he got more chances to be like the main character yeah I do too yeah is he a Canuck well he he's a Canuck right uh yes i want to say so yeah i'm pretty sure yeah i have trouble keeping track of like that age range of white canadian actors and like whether they are actually canadian because it's like ryan reynolds ryan gosling brampton ontario brampton ontario Ontario. yeah ontario (laughs) yeah i don't know i know that's like (laughs) i know it's the greater Toronto area 
I know how Ontario is pronounced. I don't know why I pronounced it like that first. I said Ontario. <laughs> like, I know how it's pronounced. So that I could correct you, I suppose. Oh, boy. <laughs> Seth Rogen, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a lot of a lot of Canucks in that one. Um, but yeah, I guess we can just transition to our favorite scenes. Uh, Sydney, Should we go to shoutouts, actually? No, no, we do favorite scenes first and shoutouts. What? No, that's what okay. we do. I didn't know there was an order. Um, wow, there's an order now. Cindy, do you have a favorite scene? Oh, I like so much of this film. I, it would have to probably be one of the needle drops. Um... Gloria, Gloria. Yeah, like, honestly, like, that, that song is just, like, it does so much for me. That her dancing's her great movie, in that. It's it's mm. really great, yeah. I love her dancing. I also... She's just been, like, warming up for that dance her mm. entire yeah. life since the divorce. It has been in her back pocket. <laughs> yeah, I also... I really like the opening shot slash scene of the film. It's like it, it's like this... Um, starts like up on the ceiling from further away and then sort of slowly um closes in on her and then she turns around in her chair and she's like i i really like that i love the like bookend of that um those are probably my two favorite scenes but i love driving scenes i think the um her driving away as like torturo's on the window is hilarious and yeah, it's really funny um, yeah i love you yeah. gloria i love you all right thank you <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. Oh my God, the paintball scene is probably my favorite scene. I was like, I know it's attached oh, to a needle drop, damn. and I just have to run through them in my head. But I the think I think the vibe we're getting from me right now is that I just like, love this film from the Hell yeah. end. So, yeah. I was gonna grab the paintball scene since you. Darn it. Okay, well, pretend. I have mine. If you want to think of a new one. No, 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 no. We we can copy each other. That's fine. Uh, I I'll just go with mine. I I. It's either the dinner scene, like, of them just talking and that family dynamic really coming out and just, you kind of, it all the, like, all of the relationships are just coming into frame. Like, in the sense of, it's all the exposition without the exposition. You kind of just get how everyone thinks of each other in that, like, in that frame. Like, you don't have to explain the detailed history of everyone. You just get it. Oh, she has some resentment towards her dad because he was never really there son's a little more comfortable with it you know he's just kind of moved past it all because he has his own child oh like they're you know like even though the, um uh even though uh gloria and her ex-husband don't see each other that much they haven't seen each other year in years it doesn't mean they have that huge like resentment towards each other they've kind of both just moved on like it just all communicates that so clearly I and mean, i also really like how they characterize the dad he's not a douche i think that's very it would be very easy to make him like oh of course she you know divorced this jackass like it was but no it's like they're both just different people like they just didn't it just didn't work out they were in love and it just didn't work out um and him also having that like slapping at the table is like i should have been there i should have been there works yeah. which is because like even a though surprise right yeah. yeah yeah but it communicates so much it's like that thing of you guys were saying like in the originals a little more it's a little more drawn out of his history with you know him not being there or whatever but like in this it's just you just have to have that one outburst and you're just sold on i get it yeah i get it <laughs> and also in that scene it's worth mentioning that gloria is now being introduced to weed which is yes. pretty rad 
Oh, her smoking yeah. weed while the dude is losing his fucking mind upstairs is also really great, and she's just laughing. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, um, yeah, but for mine, I had uh, the uh, parking lot confrontation, mm-hmm. which which I kind of knew was a standout from when I first saw it. Um, it's just, like, so... I think it's just really well-staged, too. It's just... It has the perfect amount of awkward um and like anger and confusion like what are we because like i think it's it's another great bullet point of like what are we at this age like what are we gonna what are we doing like we what what does it mean to to be redeemed in a relationship at this age and they're still trying to figure it out after all this time so it's like to to be putting down another chance at romance it's like uh, it's it's just crushing on top of all that um yeah and Totoro's never afraid to be vulnerable either it's like, mm-hmm. no no he's he's pretty comfortable in that mode <laughs> um yeah i think i'm i'm really glad you chose this sydney it's a movie that a lot of yeah. people don't talk about but it also is just really damn good and this yeah. is this is one that falls into the category for like I'm glad I got an excuse to visit it again. Yes, you know, me too. I'm glad I got an excuse out, to watch I had, it. I had bought it already, apparently, on my iTunes account. I like had to be reminded of that. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I was like, oh, hey, that's a good reminder. This is um, waiting for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but did you bring anything for shout-outs, or should we... Me? Reviews? Yeah, either of you guys. Like, um, um, like reviews no, that you found interesting, I, I, videos, I, anything like that? I have or? not. The only, thing, the only thing I would say... I didn't... I, you know, I, I read a lot and watched a lot, like, to talk with the two of you today, and nothing beats Cassidy Olsen's memes about Gloria Bell, so <laughs> if you think that you'd be interested in that sort of thing, you should follow her on Twitter. She's at Olsen Cassidy, and if you want to see her memes, just, like, search her, her handle with Gloria Bell, because they're, it's like the gift <laughs> that keeps on giving, yeah, even truly. now in 2021, so... Yeah. <laughs> the year of our lord um well i really enjoyed sheila o'malley's review for roger ebert on that was great, i think yeah. it's yeah roger ebert just has a collection of like talented people that are much better than us <laughs> one, one, one of us being a former um, guest Ro- roxana well i mean many be, true i mean true, true, true. i think i think there's a few mm-hmm. um but rocks definitely yeah. club, but we'll I see know. i'm here's me yeah um yeah but thank you so much for being here thank you for having me honestly until then i had forgotten how much that i love this film and it's yeah totally yeah same here totally it's so fun and like i i've been reminded of how good the score is um which is uh, i can stream that as i work so i'll probably be doing that in the next several days um it's it's definitely up there with like an a24 hidden gem Mm-hmm. And I hope this hidden gem is like discovered more often, at least. Um, but where can everybody find you on the internet? And anything you have to like p- plug or promote? Yeah, I'm. That you're working um, on currently. Unfortunately, I spend quite a bit of time on Twitter, so I'm there at Sid Urbanek, S Y D U R B A N E K. SidUrbanek.substack.com is where my newsletter is, and that's where I do a great deal of my writing. So if you're interested in music videos and uh mostly pop diva myth making 
that's where you can find me. And I think that just about covers it because I generally tweet everything else non-newsletter related that I do. So, What's one of your favorite music videos that have come out recently? Sorry? uh, What's one of your favorite music videos that have come out recently? Oh. One where you're just like, hell yeah. How much more time do we have? I've really, really, yeah, exactly. I've really loved um, Megan Thee Stallion's videos lately. Mm -hmm. And uh, Don't Stop for me is better than WAP. So Mm -hmm. if you were intrigued by WAP, check out Don't Stop. Nice. I oh, did yeah. not intend for that to rhyme, but it does. It does. <laughs> I would say she's she's someone like very much worth paying attention to as an artist uh, musically, but she's been like absolutely killing it in the visual department, which in my opinion is one of the biggest like predictors of how long they'll be around. So nice. yeah, in 20 years, you can remember that I said that. She has the best <laughs> aesthetics in the rap game, and I think I can say that with pretty com- like pretty huge amount of confidence. I know very little to nothing about music videos, which I, I think I should know more because they are absolutely like a like a packaged art in and of themselves. And so whenever I hear you talk about it, it's like, oh, nice! I got to hear like a I have like a Sherpa now to <laughs> to see what kind of what's like the best ones out there. Um, yeah, thank you. I, I I absolutely adore the Madonna David Fincher piece. Oh, I've told you that. Yeah. Might as well say it again. It's like so fascinating. It's such a. It was so good with your timing for Mank, because it was like when everybody was assessing his career again. Which was actually um, you don't really well believe done, yeah. me, but totally unintentional on my part. Um, <laughs> and obviously, as you said, like it played a huge role in the way that the piece sort of took off. But I had been writing that in my head. I mean, I sort of talk about this in the essay itself. Like I had been thinking about that for almost a year before I put that out. So. Um, and I just was too busy with like grad school stuff to tie it up and send it out. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that might be, for the time being, my magnum opus. <laughs> hmm. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just done with writing now. Like, no we're more. just going on to another career. Writing Can't top fun. it. Um, <laughs> well, I can be found on Twitter as well, Jack A. Draper. Um, I've written about movies on the internet at The Simple Cinephile, Cineflix Daily. I've. Um, self-published on Medium uh, sometimes. Trying to do that more. <laughs> um, and next week, we are revisiting The Invitation with Abby Olsessi. Very excited. Karen Kusama's dynamite little thriller. So excited. Thirst over Logan Marshall Green a bit. It's going to be fun. <laughs> just a bit. Not too much. But, you know, just a little bit. Um, X of Marissa Tomei. Wow. Huh. Yes. I did not know that. You were today years old. Yeah. John Carroll Lynch is also in the invitation. So we got, you know, we got peoples to talk about. We got peoples. What a reckoning force. Hey, well, I'm already excited. Big man. Large man. Very intimidating. (laughs) We gotta save these thoughts. We do. We do. Like a Brad Garrett-esque figure, I'd say. Yeah. I I, I agree. I agree. I agree. (laughs) Um, is that is that everyone? Okay. Oh my my turn. Yeah now. yeah I'm done. My turn. It's your turn. Your turn. My turn. <laughs> okay. Hey, how do I do this? Close again? Out, dude. Um yeah. Uh, everyone can follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter and on Letterbox. You can follow me at uh, follow me on Instagram to look at all of my dog pictures at Mr. Clay Williams. That's what I'm doing now on Instagram is 
posting dog pictures and adding what music I'm listening to on my stories. That's all you get. That's all. That's all I want to do. So there you go. Um, you can follow the podcast Twitter account ETT Pod. Um, know thyself. Know thyself and true. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Twitter account uh, for the podcast at ETT Pod. You can email us at exitingfifty2010s at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. Share us with your friends. Get the word out. Uh, yeah, that would be awesome. You know, get more people listening to this would be very dope. Um, but yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we already said we have for next week. So yeah, um, please remember to stay safe, stay inside, wear a mask, treat yourself, treat yourself well. You know, self care. It's very important. Uh, yeah, and because be like Gloria Bell. Be I like Gloria Bell. The example. world's ending. You might yeah. as well dance. And all right. Thank you Absolutely. all so much, and please remember, Black Lives Matter, defund the police, and we'll catch you all next time on Exiting Through the 2010s.